HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the ways that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to first-hand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how this crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It is five o'clock somewhere and somewhere is Bushwick, Brooklyn, but also today for me somewhere is um, Southern Maine. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, host of Heritage Radio Network Happy Hour, and I'm joined by some lovely people today. Um, Say hello, Hannah Forden. Hello, hello. uh, I am in Brooklyn this week, which is very exciting. And we have our stalwart engineer, Matt Patterson, on as well. Also in Brooklyn, but not in Bushwick. Not in Bushwick. We have another very special guest today, also not in Bushwick, um, but has been in Bushwick so many times with HRN. I first met our guest today um, probably like five years ago, six years ago, I would say now, um, as she was presenting her graduate thesis during my orientation in the NYU food studies um, graduate program. And um, through that, I was thinking today earlier when we were talking that that might have been the first time I actually heard of Heritage Radio Network. Um, And this person has gone on to host multiple shows with HRN. Sari Kamen, welcome. Sari is the public programs manager at the Museum of Food and Drink and host currently of Food Without Borders. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for the lovely intro. Sari! (laughs) Hi! (laughs) It's so fun to be with all of you on the internet. The internet is where it's at these days. It's where we live now. (laughs) And uh, Sari, from from whence are you joining us in in the internet? (laughs) Well, I'm currently in uh, Saugerties, New York, which is in the Catskills area of upstate New York. Um, this is where my in-laws live. So this is where I am at, at the moment in the woods, which is very isolated per, you know, pandemic. I too am in the boonies today and um, I'm really enjoying it, but it is like a balmy 90 something degrees in Maine today, which is weird. I didn't know it got that hot in Maine. <laughs> I know, we are all melting. <laughs> um and Maine is not really like equipped with air conditioning in most 
places for obvious reasons. So come on, man. Um, but here we are. Here we are. I blame. Uh, I blame Susan Collins. <laughs> we can blame her for a lot of things, but we'll get into that on a future episode. Great. Um, I also, because it is happy hour and it is so so hot, I'm gonna um, open my beverage of choice, which is in fact local. Um, because I'm in Southern Maine, I am drinking. A pale ale from Tributary Brewing Company. A good friend, Todd Mott, is the brewer there. And this is their flagship beer, and it is super delicious. Um, Anyone else have a tasty beverage today? I have a Founders IPA. It is not local, but it's still tasty. (laughs) I'm drinking some bougie-ass Chardonnay. (laughs) (laughs) and in in, in my defense actually whatever i don't need i don't need defense i'll own it um sometimes i drink chardonnay Uh, um i i've been (laughs) i've been really obsessed with making this artichoke recipe from um adina sussman's cookbook sababa and it calls for white wine and garlic so i made it the other night so i just grabbed a white wine. It just this is this is not a good defense. I could have grabbed any white wine. I grabbed a bougie ass Chardonnay. So anyway, um, I cooked with it, and now I'm drinking it. So here we are. Well, sorry, you never have to defend your drinks to us. Um, yeah. I don't know but also, this. I'm glad that you're cooking with wine that you want to drink. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's just an extra treat because then you can you have an excuse to swig it while you're cooking. As if you need an excuse, but yes, sure. Exactly. And I'm, I'm shockingly not having an alcoholic beverage right now because I am uh, meeting a friend for takeaway tiki drinks after the show. And I know that they are not the kind of drinks that you stack with other drinks. Right. Mm. So I'm having some, some nice um, herbal sun tea. <laughs> so responsible. Where, where are you going for that um, in the hood? Sam Lee and I, the famous formerly HRN intern, um, and I are going to Zombie Hut, which is a really wonderful bar in my neighborhood in Carroll Gardens, and they are doing takeaway tiki drinks, and we're going to drink them on my stoop because it's really hot out. I just want to say that I moved to Carroll Gardens in the year 2005, which was maybe a year before all of you were born, and I am so (laughs) happy that Zombie Hut is still there because that is the one place that has stood the test of time in that neighborhood. I can think of almost nowhere else um, that hasn't turned into something else. And it's, it's amazing. It's like, it's a time capsule in there. And I, I love zombie hut. And in fact, I was born a little bit before 2005 in this very neighborhood in zombie, um, hut. In zombie hut. No, I was born in Caputo's. <laughs> and born. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that um, you're getting out there, Hannah, and also that Zombie Hut is alive and well. Um, I just also want to acknowledge another artifact of the heat today is that you probably hear my computer just massively overheating. This is part <laughs> of real life of not having an in-person studio during the pandemic is we're all in our homes. Um, I'm today choosing not to be in a blanket fort because of obvious reasons, but um <laughs> You know, all of our all of our equipment is subject to real life, and here we are. <laughs> you will probably well, hear my dog at some point. Oh yeah, you've definitely heard a, my dog or my parents' dog go by, and you might hear, if you're really lucky, a super cranky, screaming, hot baby, um, which is really, really a good treat as well. We've been hearing a lot of that today. <laughs> um, Can I tell you guys something that's been happening up here? Yes, yes. I know there's a lot, like a lot, going on in the world. Um, but up here, my dog has developed possibly a, a friendship, possibly a romance with a deer. <laughs> pictures or it didn't happen. I just Please need send to us pictures down for me, like where the confusion is about whether or not the relationship is platonic. Like, I just need a little more information. Okay. Well, I mean, the the fact is that it remains ambiguous, but I've almost never seen him so excited about another creature, which is why I feel like it's more than just like a casual passing friendship. Um, and it's gone. This is this was day three that the same. Oh, who knows for sure, but I'm pretty sure because I feel these things 
in my heart that the same deer has returned um, to the yard where I sit outside and work and just hung out and waited for my dog to notice it. And then when my dog did notice, ran over, the deer ran away and then waited for my dog to catch up. And then they like had this little like cute, like running chase pausing moment. And then yesterday they, they ran off together into the woods and he was, my dog was gone for 15 minutes and did not return even though I called him and that was the first time that's ever happened. Like he's never run away. He's never not returned when I've called. And when he finally showed up, he looked like he needed a cigarette. Like he was disheveled. Like he had stuff in his hair. <laughs> he looked like a little dazed and he was like hot. I was like, what were you guys doing? And then today the deer returned to the exact same spot and like just laid down behind a bush and like waited to be noticed. And I'm sorry, that sounds very, romantic to me <laughs> i don't know what's going on everyone it's everyone needs some quarantine love yeah yeah it's a shih tzu it's a shih tzu deer kind of thing that i i don't i don't question it i respect it That's i love that amazing. story it's very exciting wow well, it's really nice to hear that all of the amazing um, events and social media engagements that we've been seeing come from from you at MoFad have um, been produced while you are enjoying the great outdoors and doggy deer romances. <laughs> it really like it deepens my appreciation Thank you. even more. Yes, <laughs> it does. It does add a whole new level. Yes. Um, well, Sari, I do want to talk about the programs that you're working on for MoFad, but first I was hoping you would give a little bit of history. You have in fact been with HRN longer than any of us. And so, um, can you talk a little bit about how you first got involved with the network and your first show the morning after and, um, how you kind of transitioned from doing that to doing Food Without Borders and just take us through your timeline. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, I started as an intern at Heritage Radio, and it it came about because I was in the food studies program at NYU, as you also were, Katie, um, and referenced. And I was just interested in in food media. I didn't really know that much. You know, when I started the food studies program, it was really um, a time for me to transition careers and start thinking about, you know, a, a sort of a new f- chapter in my life, um, knowing I wanted to do something in food, but wasn't really sure what direction I was headed. And I had a classmate in a food culture class named Leah Eden, and she told me that she had, she was working at Heritage Radio and it was a food radio station. And I thought like, that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. Um, I had been a theater major in undergraduate in college. So I was interested in communications and thought that the radio station might be like a a really cool kind of intersection of those interests. And the radio station was looking for an intern to come on as a writer. Um, And I didn't have much of a a writing career at that point, but I, you know, was excited and had always enjoyed writing. So I came on as an intern and um, it was pretty scrappy back then. I think there was, you know, maybe four of us at the most it was Aaron and me and Jack Inslee and Leah. And then, you know, the rest were the folks who were working on the heritage meats uh, on the food side of things. And um, I started writing a little bit and doing some work for writing about shows. And um, those articles ended up getting published in Huffington Post because we had kind of a partnership agreement with them. Um, So it was the first time I ever got published. It was the first time I ever really explored food writing and it really opened up this you know, whole new world of, of interest for me. And then little by little, I just got a little bit more ambitious in the internship program and started recording stories. And that was sort of the, um, the origins of the food news program. And uh, would just record, you know, these little bits where I would call people up and, and kind of interrogate them about different food events that were happening around the country and things in the news. And it was great. It just um, really kind of like set me on track. And then at some point, there was a co-host named Jesse Kiefer who had been working on a show called The Morning After, which was a restaurant industry show. She was a small, yay. <clears throat> excuse me. And her co-host um, was leaving, moving to LA, and she was looking for someone else to step in. And so I was kind of at the right place at the right time. And because I'd had a lot of experience 
working in restaurants, which is, you know, sort of what got me interested in food, um, Jesse agreed to, to let me come on. And we worked on that show together for a pretty long time, um, a couple years. And we had chefs and other sommeliers and guests from the restaurant industry. And it was very lighthearted and fun. And um, it was great. And then Jesse ended up moving to L.A. And I did the show by myself for a little while. Uh, it wasn't quite the same. You know, a lot of the show was based on the rapport that we had. Um, but I wanted to stick with it. And then the presidential election happened in 2016. And that sort of like changed. I mean, that did change the whole world. It changed everything. And I just kind of found myself waking up in the morning and not feeling very motivated to go into the studio and talk to chefs. I just I just wasn't that interested in, in restaurants, I guess. It didn't feel meaningful. It didn't feel important at the time. Um, especially since so much of the restaurant industry was sort of centered on, you know, the celebrity chefs, a lot of them being white, a lot of them being men. And that's kind of what our show focused on as well. Um, you know, not intentionally, but that's just where we were at in the world. Um, and I took, I took a season off and I wanted to sort of recalibrate and think about, you know, what I had, what I wanted to do with this platform um, and you were generous enough to take a meeting with me and talk about kind of rethinking what show I would be working on. And I remember pitching Food Without Orders to you as um, an opportunity just to sit down with uh, different folks working in food who also happen to be immigrants. And um, it was right around the time that the, the first travel ban happened with President Trump. And um, it was just, you know, something I wanted to do. And it was mostly just about listening and not really about talking. And it was just um, a chance to, to sit down and say, you know, you're an immigrant, you live in the United States, you work in food, what does that feel like right now? How does your work in food keep you connected to your heritage? How does it help you um, in some ways assimilate, but in some ways introduce, you know, the, the country that you've emigrated from? And just how, how does it feel right now? What is your what does your world look like? And that's that's where Food Without Borders got started. I'm really happy we're talking today, Sari, about this too, because of the Supreme Court vote that said today that Trump can't end DACA, yep. um, which is really enormous. And I think like, I remember when we were first talking about Food Without Borders and kind of conceptualizing that show and how much desperation we were all feeling um, with sort of these campaign promises that were so menacing at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a really happy day, I think, to circle back to to this idea. But there's still, um, you know, there's so much work to do and so much going on. Um, and you've made a little bit of a pivot recently um, to incorporate some of the goings on at MoFAD. Um, do you want to talk about your role at MoFAD and currently like how that's shifted with the pandemic into digital programming? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the, sorry, my dog just tried to jump up on the bed and fell down. Um, it was hilarious. I wish you guys had seen it. Um, yeah. This so, is what we miss by not having video. Exactly. Mm. Um, so at MoFAD where I run the programs, um, we were in March, one week away from opening a new exhibition that had been in the works for two years called African slash American Making the Nation's Table, which um, is really a celebration of the African-American contribution to American food culture. Um, so one week before those before we were going to open the doors at the Africa Center where the exhibition is, um, you know, we were faced with the reality that we were, we were in the midst of a pandemic and that would not be happening. Um, which is really disappointing, of course, um, for so many reasons. And I had six months worth of programming all lined up, bringing in, uh, you know, chefs, authors, beer makers, oyster shuckers all from all over the country um, at, who were, you know, going to be part of these many untold stories about African-American food. So instead of opening that and instead of, you know, starting that program series, um, we realized, like everyone else, that we had to shift to online programming, and which was very daunting to me because I <laughs> am not very technically savvy. Um, but, you know, 
it was an interesting challenge just to try and figure out what online programs means and, and what even makes sense to put online and, you know, what kind of programs are people willing to like sit down in front of a computer and watch and spend time with, um, you know, we're the museum of food and drink. So, you know, most of our programs are centered around food and drink and coming together as community to, to eat together, to break bread. So it's been a really interesting challenge to, to kind of figure out the workarounds and what that means if we're not coming together and sharing meals and, um, you know, having this thing to kind of celebrate together. But um, it's been good. It's been, it's been a challenge that I have really, really enjoyed. And it's also been, you know, kind of a tremendous opportunity to reach out to community that I didn't even know existed. Um, because we're not restricted by being in New York City, we we've had guests join our programs. We've had panelists from all over the country, um, and in some cases, all over the world. Next week, we have a program called uh, Harlem Rent Party, which was which is inspired by the Harlem Rent Parties of the 1920s and the 1930s, and even in the 1940s a bit. Um, the idea being that during this era, which is the beginning of the great migration in um, the early 1920s, when so many black folks moved from the South to the North, they, they went to Harlem. And um, because of this influx, the rent or the um, landlords took advantage and started raising the rents. And um, it was very unfair. And in order to sort of mitigate these costs, um, people would open up their homes and have parties. And this became known as Harlem rent parties. And they were generally held on Saturday nights and Thursday nights. And they would invite people in and there would be dancing, there would be music. A lot of the great jazz performers kind of got their start and their notoriety during this time. There'd be food and, you know, everyone would like throw in some money and that's how they would make their rent. So we were really inspired by this concept because we need some money too. Our our exhibition is closed and we don't have that ticket revenue. Um, and luckily enough, we've had an incredible group of advisors working on our exhibition, African slash American. Um, and several of them are part of this virtual experience. So we have Dr. Jessica Harris. She is, I think, you know, unequivocally the, the foremost scholar on African-American culinary history. Um, she's going to talk about the history of Harlem rent parties. We have Chef Omar Tate, who's amazing. He has a pop-up dinner series called Honeysuckle, where he just kind of infuses his food with his heritage. And he's created um, a menu. I mean, obviously, we won't you know, be sitting around a table together, but we have recipes to disseminate. And we have an ingredient box that people can order so they can cook along at home. We have Tonya Hopkins. She's uh, a food and drink scholar. She's created an era-specific cocktail called the Harlem Glory. Um, and we have a we have a performer who is actually living in London right now. She's American, but she was most recently on the West End. Her name's Marisha Wallace. She's incredible. And she's going to be singing some jazz songs. So we're all going to come together for this like joyous occasion and celebrate and talk about food, talk about drink. And hopefully, you know, everyone's going to be like cooking the same meal of fish and grits and gingerbread cake and sit down and open up their laptops at the same time. And it'll be like this sort of larger extended community and I'm really excited about it so I feel very um inspired by this this like global network that we've tapped into you know I know we've had people come to our programs from as far as Japan and Australia who've messaged me and said I've always wanted to come to a MoFAD program but I don't live in New York in fact I live on the other side of the world and this is the first time I've been able to do that so there are some silver linings, I would say, to this very um, challenging moment that we're in. And I, I really want to, like, celebrate those moments as well. And um, I want to point out that, like, listeners also can um, enjoy some of the MOFAD content on the Food Without Borders feed. Um, but also, Sari, where should they be looking um, primarily for upcoming events like this one is um, mofad.org or social media the best place yeah thank you for mentioning that um, and I want to thank you guys again because it's been so wonderful to collaborate with you um, I started an online video series when you know this whole COVID thing happened because I wanted to think about um, you know the impact of COVID on the food and beverage industry but not just restaurants you know I think there was a lot of conversations that were happening at the beginning with you know, these big chefs in the news, like a lot of the Danny Myers and the Tom Colicchios of the world were talking. And I thought it would be 
really meaningful to kind of look at the peripheral um, voices in this conversation and sort of recenter uh, POCs and and women and immigrants who are also being impacted by COVID and food and beverage. Um, so I started an online video series called At the Table, where I was just, you know, on Zoom with folks having these conversations. And you guys came up with a fantastic idea to, to run um, the audio clips of those conversations through my podcast. Um, so you can find all of our programs on our website, which is like you said, www.mofad.org. And we have a tab under programming that's just online programming. So if you go there, you'll see the At the Table series. Um, you'll see the MoFad Supper Club series, which is the Harlem Rent Party is under that. That's like kind of the more ambitious um, virtual dinner party, so to speak, where there's often a box element included. Like, for example, we have a program tonight with a wonderful company called Eat Off Beat. Uh, which is a refugee staffed catering company. And, you know, looking back at Food Without Borders right at the beginning, Manal, um, Manal Kahi, who runs Eat Off Beat, she was one of my first guests on Food Without Borders. And she started this company that's all uh, refugee chefs and cooks. And it was right around, you know, that initial immigrant ban that she came on and talked about that. So we've had a long relationship that started with Heritage Radio um, so tonight we're partnering with them on a wonderful program that explores the experiences of black refugees. We have um, a Senegalese chef, a Nigerian chef, and they're going to talk what they're, about their experience um, as, you know, refugees working in food in the United States. So um, those are there. We've been doing a series called The Takeout, which is about the impact of COVID on AAPIs and Asian American populations. Last night we had a conversation about food media and tokenization that came out of the idea or not the idea, but came out of um, as a response to the xenophobia that was directed towards Asians and Asian Americans because of COVID um, sort of the idea that food media was trying to mitigate some of that xenophobia and xenophobia by, you know, publishing recipes, Asian recipes um, and looking at whether that was a way to combat some of the xenophobia or just tokenize Asians and Asian Americans. And because, you know, the world has changed again and again and again, that conversation transitioned not so much to be a conversation about COVID, but a conversation to really be about um, this reckoning in food media that's happening right now. And it was it was really interesting and, and wonderful to see how flexible these panelists were and how engaged the, um, the audience was who really wanted to talk about this very significant shift that's happening in food media right now, especially because we had Priya Krishna on the panel who, you know, is at Bon Appetit and is one of the people who called out the former editor-in-chief, Adam Rappaport, who's no longer there. Mm. Side note about Adam Rappaport, I was just reading this um, Jezebel article where they shared an email exchange with him um, with some really interesting back and forth with him uh, making some really inappropriate requests to be off the record and like them kind of deciding to publish anyway as a very formerly revered editor um, should really know kind of what expectations are with um, press around what is on and off of the record. Um, so just head on over to Jezebel and read that exchange. Um, but Sari, we're so grateful for your contributions and for, um, you know, really creating Food Without Borders at a time when it was so desperately needed and also like finding ways to continue that and keeping it super relevant as the world is literally changing so fast every day and every day it's something new. Um, but we are so grateful to you for keeping it timely and um, just being nimble and really providing a service that I, I think is not being had elsewhere. And um, we're just so proud of everything you've done. Um, we need to take a short break and we will be right back after this with more of HR and Happy Hour. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's. A super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Welcome back to HRN Happy Hour. We are so happy today to be joined by HRN's own Sari Kamen. Welcome back, Sari, to the show. Thank you. 
Um, as we were in the break, we were thinking about um, sort of the retrospective of your career at HRN. And um, I was wondering if you could, you've had some incredible guests on the shows, plural, that you have hosted, um, plus, you know, in some of your other reporting for the network. Could you maybe call out like a few of your favorite, you can't play favorites, but a few top guests or guests who really made an impact on you? Oh, man, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because, Katie, you and I were talking about this before that um, I had some big names on the morning after and every time it was like shocking that they said yes. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, but, you know. What, like, who, who are you thinking of? I mean. Like, who are these big names? <laughs> you know, like I remember uh -huh. yeah. reaching out to his publicist and somehow that happened and then he yeah. he came to Bushwick and like sat down and talked to me and he had just come out with this cookbook Nopi which is you know one of his um restaurants in London and he was so sweet and kind and lovely and just an absolute joy to talk to and I was lucky enough to you know travel to London not that much later than that I mean I don't know within the year and say hello to him at his restaurant and that was super exciting and um I think I was actually an intern when you had him on the show. And I just remember, like, I had to go over to the studio and Aaron was like, oh, yeah, yo, Tamona Lange's over there. Like, you might see him. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, no big deal. I mean, no big deal, right? And David Levovitz came on um, when he was, you know, in town hanging out. And we talked about Paris and it was awesome. Um, and, you know, I can't, I would, I can't not think about Anthony Bourdain, who was one of my guests. Um, it was one of the most amazing moments, probably of my, I mean, definitely of my career, but also of, of my life. I mean, it was my, my greatest hero and just being able to sit down and talk to him for 10 minutes, um, which is what I got was unbelievable. I mean, I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life than the moments <laughs> leading yeah. up to having that interview. And it wasn't in the HRN studio. I actually got to go to an event that he was part of um for it was like a scotch event and he was you know the face of some new like brand or something and it was all because of michael harlan turkel because he was supposed to go to that event and then he couldn't do it and then he asked me if i wanted to and i was like hell yeah that is happening and somehow i got like 10 minutes with bourdain and um he was lovely he was so nice and he was like hey, what's up? I'm Tony. And as soon as he started to talk, I was like, okay, this is good. Like, I'm not nervous anymore. He's just a person. And he was just really thoughtful. He like took time after every question. Um, he didn't have any canned answers. And, you know, I'll never forget it. I will always, always cherish that. So yeah. Um, but Food Without Borders was, you know, obviously a really different show. It's never been about celebrity celebrities. In fact, it's like intentionally not been about celebrities. It's just about people. So there have been some, you know, amazing people that I've met and a lot of them have stayed friends. Um, I would say the person that comes to mind and I think about this person all the time is a guy named Abdi who runs uh, a juice shop in Harlem. He's Ethiopian. His name's uh, Abdi Abu Jabel. And he, he just had one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. He um, was a refugee. He was in a refugee camp in Kenya for a while after going there from Ethiopia. And then when he moved to the United States with like no money and no English, he um, was really sick. He couldn't figure out what was wrong. He was living in Harlem in kind of a food desert area where he didn't have access to any really affordable, healthy food. So he kept eating more junk food and getting sicker. And he didn't know why, because he went to doctors who, who were giving him medication, but not talking to him about nutrition. And finally, he figured it out. And he was like, oh, my health is impacted by the food that I eat. And it got him really interested in um, learning how to eat better. And he realized that he wanted to create something so that other people in his neighborhood were able to access healthy food. So... Um, with like no resources at all, he started a, a juice restaurant and it's all about the flavors that he uh, brought over from Ethiopia. It's called Jimma's Oasis Juice Bar. And when he came to Heritage Radio to talk with me, he brought, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 different juices for me to try in this like gorgeous 
spread of Ethiopian food. He brought, um, I don't know, just several different dishes. He brought uh, bread. I mean, he just had like just this huge picnic and laid it out in front of me and was just so gracious and humble. And um, it really moved me just to talk to someone who had so little to work with, but had accomplished so much. And I just remember him saying something to the extent of like, you know, when you have nothing to begin with, there's nothing to lose. Because I kept asking him like, like how he had the courage to create a business. Because I think, you know, most of us who are privileged growing up in the United States would say, you know, if I don't have money, like, why would I ever try and create something like I don't have the resources. And he just said, you know, when you're in America, you have so many resources already. And that's what he was working with. And it just really changed my perspective of what it was like to to just pursue something that mattered to you. So I have so much admiration for him. Um, he really taught me a lot. So that's probably my favorite episode of Food Without Borders. And yeah, you should go listen to it if you haven't. That was all such a good encapsulation, I think, of like what is amazing about like HRN's content and also just the sort of pleasure of getting to interview a broad range of people because I'm sorry, there are children screaming right now and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but you never really know like what's going to come out of it. And, and oftentimes, like, I feel like there's very few times when someone doesn't surprise you, mm-hmm. um, whether that's, you know, you're meeting someone who doesn't quite meet your expectations or someone who entirely like blows you away um, I just love how you sort of painted a really full picture of that from interactions with celebrities to, you know, small scale entrepreneurs like Abdi. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I had never met him before and I read an article about him in Bon Appetit and, you know, it was this sort of like charming um, back and forth over Facebook Messenger where we talked about him coming to the show, but I really had no idea what to expect So when he arrived, you know, with this like feast, I was just, it was amazing. I mean, I I had no idea who I was meeting and who I was encountering. And like, I think about that conversation all the time. I mean, Abdi changed me like that. That was like a pinnacle conversation that I had. And I will never forget it. And I'll always be grateful to him for that. I love that that story. And you made me so hungry. We all got to try his food. We did um, that rooftop event uh, back when we did parties and things um, at 100 Bogart when we did Changing the Conversation, um, which is archived on our site. But if you were there in person, you got to have Abdi's incredible juices and injera and incredible Ethiopian food. Um, And of course, like predictably, he brought an enormous spread. We were like, okay, here's the number of people. Like, this is what we're thinking. And he just came and blew us all out of the water. Yeah, and amazing. it was so incredibly delicious. And we were up there on the roof and it was sunset. His food and juices were so colorful. And I just like had this like absurdly loaded up plate. And it was like <laughs> the entire rainbow of everything. And I was like the happiest. Yeah. yeah. It's so <laughs> delicious. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So gracious. So, Sari, we have a really silly new game that we've been playing um, for socially distanced happy hour. Usually we do trivia, um, but we thought since none of us are in the same room that we sort of adapted it. So it's a combination of I spy and 20 questions, basically, where we will ask you to pick uh, something that you can see right now. and we have 20 questions to guess what it is. Oh, okay. So, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But you, but do you come up with the questions or I come up with the, or is it like. Yeah, so we're going to come up with the questions. Um, I can keep track of them, but basically we're going to ask you like in the, in the 20 questions um, theme, they're all yes or no answers. Okay. You, what you need to do is look around your room and pick an item. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay, got ready? it. Like you have the item. I got, no, I, I got the item. Okay, okay. Hannah, you're keeping track of our numbers. I will keep track. Yes. Are you using Kat's patented method? I forget what it is. That's fingers. Counting on I, fingers. I, I, do, I am using all of my fingers. Yes, that was my plan. <laughs> all twenty. Uh, all 20 all fingers. Twenty fingers. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I feel like we got to throw this one. Dylan's not here, but um, we'll start with her patented first question of 
Siri, is it bigger than your head? No. Ooh. Well, that's exciting. It's always bigger than the head. <laughs> um, is it, um, is it a, a piece of decor? No. Is it food related? Yes. Mm. Can you is... eat it? <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 is it a fruit no is it has it uh, no no is it perishable yes what what, I I would side note what things that you can eat are not perishable like a can like okay i think the category of like non-perishables like is it an unopened can of tuna or is it like a piece of sashimi okay so don't answer that siri okay. <laughs> <laughs> um is it something that is ready to eat or that would need to be prepared that's not a yes or no question Oh, right. Mm. Well, yes, ready to eat. No, needs to be prepared. No, Hannah. No, no, no. What you can't the hell? <laughs> Is it ready uh, to eat? Yes. Points <laughs> Wait, and we said it was not a fruit? Correct. Is it Hannah, how many questions? No. Oh. Ooh. Well, I kind of want to ask, like, okay, sidebar, Siri, don't answer. You always want to She did this. talk about... I'm sorry. I can't see you guys. Um, she did talk about her beverage earlier. Wait, hold, hold on, Sari. Are you consuming it right now? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait, but there was a dish. Wait, wait, wait. What was... What was... It was artichoke. What was she making? Dip. Oh, yeah. Right? Does oh, it yeah, have artichoke well, in it? but she made that the other day. Okay, guys, we have you 10 okay, out of 20 is questions. It, 10 out of 20. Is it a single ingredient? Yes. Ooh, hesitation. Uh, has it been... Has it been cooked? Yes. Does it contain wheat? No. Ooh. <laughs> it's like gluten-free sourdough. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Cheese perfected. Uh, Will's, like, what was oh. that flour he was trying to use that was not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the buckwheat? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Sari, uh, <laughs> did someone in your household, including you, make it? No. Hmm. Uh, I should have asked. That was a that was a squandered question. There were so many better ways to get at that. Um, uh, okay. Um, oof. Uh, we're like you, getting colder. Would you describe it as savory? <laughs> Good one, Hannah. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Can we do a quick recap? Yeah. What it's do like, we know about this food item? <laughs> it's not a fruit or a vegetable. Uh huh, and it's, it's been, savory. It's cooked. It's savory. But it's like one ingredient. No. It is... Wait, is that part true? Yeah, that's what she said. Oh, okay. It is huh. perishable. They didn't make it. Is I'm, it served room temperature? Yes. Okay, we have four more questions. Oh my god! Oh my god. So we're miles away from this. <laughs> Does it contain dairy? No. What? Well, I was thinking cheese. It could be cheese, single All ingredient, right. not fruit or vegetable. Okay. Yeah, but it's cooked, right? Yeah. <sighs> I might be kind of wrong. Well, cheese is cooked, ingredient. arguably. Can I modify he the single ingredient question? Yes, you can. Oh, okay. It's not actually a single ingredient, but it's a single <gasps> item. Well, this whole game is <laughs> an asterisk. Yeah, an you asterisk know. Asterisk for the record, right? Because we 
and Pat and Dylan come in and they're like, man, uh-huh. you really screwed the pooch on this <laughs> HRN trivia. We're going to be like, no, man, she lied to us. Wait, what did uh-huh. you say? Sorry. Hold on, what did you say? Nothing. <laughs> <Think> again? <laughs> Sarah's coming long. after you over in the internet. I just, I just think you should think of, say that again. Wait. wait. Oh my is there god. A lie are you calling your dog and are you call what do you say? What? No, 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 what? wait, 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 wait. Is there a lie? Like L Y E? Oh my oh, god! Wait, I thought you were doing something like so. Oh god, that was okay. So question. we have two questions left, and oh Sarah's god. mad at us. So <laughs> All right, we wait. Gotta get it she wanted, wait, why was she, she saying to say it again? I think she's yeah, playing a game so here. She is playing a game, and I said too many things. I did say the phrase <laughs> "screw the pooch," uh, which <laughs> made me think it's her. But like, you can't. Oh, Ooh. oh! Sorry. We didn't ask who was gonna eat it. Is yeah. it a dog biscuit? God Wait, damn is it. it! But is it? But is it? Oh, I, I wish we. This had is asked our last question. Who is supposed to eat it? Because dogs eat other things that aren't biscuits. But wait! But you can't ask who is supposed to eat it. No, but we could have said, "Does the is the dog supposed okay, to eat okay, it?" Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> but we're not asking the question yet because we're strategizing. <laughs> hmm. But are we on our last question? Because then you're yes, just supposed yes. to ask what the thing is. Like you have to. Right. We're we not. Are. We can't. All right. So you got to pick something. We got to just this like is for go all for the marbles. Hail Mary. Um. I nominate Matt. Yeah, Matt. I got nothing. I you you really think that I've been paying more attention? Do you want to know what my notes say right now? It says eat it, savory, cooked, <laughs> and then I've like drawn a lot of squares. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I got distracted. <laughs> it's okay. I so, think I might have heat stroke. So, we're so basically, <laughs> basically, I don't know what's going on. We don't know what it is, but we have hieroglyphics that represent it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they look. Oh. This looks like this piece of paper looks like all of my notes from high school, which <laughs> is in. Okay. It's not great. But look should where we you just wound up. For Sarah's mercy, yeah. mercy, or should we use? No, we question? have to make a guess. We have to use the last question. I, I mean, I, I suspect that we're on to something with the pooch. Well, you're the dog owner in this conversation, so I defer to you. Okay, Sari, is it dog food? Yes! Oh, my God! Wait. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's not a biscuit. It's not a biscuit. It's just, oh you're just holding, you're just, you're just casually <laughs> holding a handful of dog food. Wait, did I, Guys, we won. She didn't say it? she was holding it, Matt. <laughs> but it oh, absolutely right. was oh, not right. part of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know why. Oh. In my mind, in my mind, you were, never mind. Okay, it's an, we won. That was so hard. It was so hard. It's an open can of salmon dog food, like wet food. Ooh. Oh, wait, so my can of tuna question was not like so far off. It was pretty close. <laughs> understand why is it one ingredient was so difficult because it's marketed to be one ingredient and then you were like oh wait no there's no way this is one ingredient yeah it's definitely not well, one glad. ingredient but it is like one can of dog food right yeah so that was I almost said kibble and I'm glad I didn't say that because then we would have lost yeah it's not kibble it was, it's his like wet fishy food <laughs> he's a pescatarian like me is he really <laughs> I mean, mostly. I mean, not by choice. <laughs> um, he didn't like tell you that one day. He's like, now that I'm best friends with a deer, <laughs> I have an announcement to make. Well, I, mean, I, I know for a fact that his favorite foods, like mine, are anchovies and like other tin. Yum. Yum. So, you know, I'm just giving him what he likes. You're such a good dog, mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was so hard but i'm really proud of us last week we lost pretty handedly so it was really um, hard you guys god we all got there and i'm sorry that you thought i was mad at you matt (laughs) 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 no to my face i was like say that again why don't you come over here to socrates and say it again (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think that i just like you were like say that again and i was like oh man i just talked for like way too long i don't feel like it (laughs) 
I thought it, I thought it was an internet connectivity thing because that's the world I live in now. But it was so funny that of all phrases you threw the pooch. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I thought it was like a pretzel or a bagel or something with lie in it. God. Like, I hope there's not lies. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> We've proven one I, thing is that we're not getting any better at this game. Yeah, high on intuition, low on intellect. That's our motto here. That's that's that's. I mean, that was a tough question when you were like, "Can you eat it?" Because I'm like, "Well, technically, yes." But... Sorry, I have like one minute left. I I ate a I ate a, a solid handful of um, milk biscuits in my childhood days. Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Milk biscuits? Yeah. The little milk bones. Treats? Milk they're bones. Milk bones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, as right. you're on cue, I've got a hungry baby. Sari, thank you so much. It has been an absolute joy having you, and I can't wait to have you back on again. And I hope you guys have a terrifically successful event tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Sari. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you to Jess Crunchich, who will be engineering thank the show you. thank yeah. you jess you and love thank you. you hannah thank you matt sarah uh, we'll talk bye. soon thanks Katie. bye guys hr and happy hour is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.